0: Good Tuesday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live on every social media platform known to mankind. This show is dynamic and interactive, and it's become the water cooler of chatter and conversation in Charlottesville and Central Virginia. The show welcomes your perspective as long as it follows the golden rule. We don't mind being challenged, but there's way to challenge in a respectful manner, and we follow that rule very closely. I've been so pumped for today's interview. Michael Kotches, you'll see him in a matter of moments. The George Clooney of policing is in the house right now. The guy is the spitting image of George Clooney. I know he's heard that before. I'll start with um, a couple thoughts personally. When this guy took the job, it was chaotic in the city of Charlottesville to say the least. Chaotic on the eight blocks I love so dearly, the downtown mall chaotic in neighborhoods in the city from a safety standpoint. And to steal a phrase from Mayor Lloyd Snook, who will join us next week, I think he has undoubtedly stabilized the organization and given us a metronome of consistency that we want from police. Judah Wickower, a brother from another mother. I say we have a love-hate relationship. I love you dearly. I think from time to time it's reciprocated from Judah. Um, 13 years he and I have worked alongside each other. My wife working at home, I love you as well, sweetheart. If you want to welcome Chief Cotches with the studio camera and the two shot, the George Clooney of policing man.
1: What do you yeah, think about I, that? I, I think my wife might disagree with you on that, but uh, but I appreciate it, I do.
0: Uh, um, first question we'll throw to you. Introduce yourself to everyone that's watching the program.
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Mike Cotches. I am um, a native of a uh, Passaic County, New Jersey, um, northern New Jersey. And I uh, joined the military when I graduated high school, and I never went back. And uh, never went back because uh, I think as most young kids, I was kind of going down the wrong road. And it's like, all right, it's time to either go into the military or things ain't going to work out for me. So I did, got out, um, got into policing, and spent most of my career with the Alexandria Virginia Police Department, where I retired in 2020. And um, I retired on a Friday and started work as the chief of police in Warrington on a monday um, and so was there for three years and uh, saw the opportunity here in charlottesville kind of watch what was going on for a while to be honest with you i think most in our profession was, and so uh... it you know it, it came up and, and kind of put my hat in the hat in the ring and, and here i am do you prefer
0: um, michael
1: or mike mike
0: mike you yeah. prefer mike my okay. mother
1: will get mad at me about that but yeah
0: mike's fine fantastic mike <laughs> is in the house so Give us some insight into why Charlottesville, and and I want to, and, and you may have heard. I'll I'll stand corrected here. Um, I think the hire was the right one. Okay, mm-hmm. but I need to eat some crow first. Oh, I
1: watched that show by the okay. way. Okay, I need to eat I some crow. I watched it. I was like, who is this guy Jerry? <laughs> he don't even know me. He's already like, I deserve some crow. Come Tito. on, give me some shade. Well, Tito was my guy too. Okay, I know. All right. Right. I mean, I love Tito. Right. So. Uh, But, yeah, I watched that show. I was like, all right, I need to eventually meet this guy.
0: Um, I said, uh, and you guys watched this program, that perhaps Tito should have gotten the job. He Uh grew up in the police department. A lot of respect for um, former assistant police chief. He has since retired. Mayor Stook broke that news here Uh on this set. Mike Kochis comes into the job this year. And put in perspective, when you took this job, (laughs) you were coming into the eye of the storm,
1: proverbially. Yeah, but, you know... You come in for anytime you go in an organization, you want you want to sit and listen and watch, right? Um, Unfortunately, you know when I came in, I mean things and things were already happening. I mean we were seeing an uptick in shots fired calls. You had what happened, uh, obviously uh, on campus in November, and then um, I mean like a week or two before I got here, there was the double shooting in Belmont, and so um, so there was a lot going on. But you know you step into it and you want to kind of. I didn't have a whole lot of time to to sit back and just take things in. So I did come in with a 90-day plan and uh, started putting that together right away. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that, that I got out of when I first got here was we have really good people in this police department. It's been through a lot. And when you've been through a lot as an organization, you have people that have perspective. You have leaders that have perspective, right? So you know... Uh, what roads not to go down. You know what works and what doesn't work in this community, and so that was helpful because the leadership team, Tito especially, really embraced me and said. And I told them during our first meeting, "It's like, look, I need you to tell me where that landmine is. I'm about to step on. Okay." And so they they embraced me, and to this day, command staff within our organization is just we work side by side and just we work together. And I think that's what's important. So
0: I was so impressed, and we started highlighting as you were turning the um, turning the ship or turning the tide or turning the momentum. You started doing these walk and talks. Yeah. You held this um, town hall at the church across from Dairy Market. You and and it's what we call in branding and advertising. You humanized, you localized, and you personalized the department, mm-hmm. and the department. You know, maybe this is me, this is me saying this here. Um, over the last handful of years, did not do much humanizing or localizing or, 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 or personalizing. Mm-hmm. And you did that. Talk to us about the strategies of the walk and talks and the town halls that you were hosting.
1: So the strat- So it, I initially didn't come into this wanting to, or, or having the idea of doing walk and talks, right? Um, I moved into the community. I live in the 10th of Page community. That wasn't by design. I had no idea what 10th of Page was before I moved here. And so, uh, getting, initially getting to speak with my neighbors, one of, one of which is actually a crossing guard here in the city. And so I would see her each morning when I'd go to the gym and talk to her and uh, they were having an HOA or not, uh, you know, a 10th of page community meeting that was scheduled and I asked, do you mind if I'd come by and talk, you know, and meet with, meet with the, the HOA. And we started to advertise that I was going to go talk and next thing you know there were like 300 people showed up at the church, right? And so, but I got to tell you, I got a lot out of that event because what you see, or, what I, or at least what I got out of it was I saw a community that deeply cares. They were like, listen, this ain't all on the police. What we're seeing, we had like three homicides in a real short period of time. We were averaging a shots, fire, call a day. And this was a community that was like, hey, let's, we, need to, we as, a, as a community need to address this. So we then started doing our walk. We still do walk and talks every Thursday. And um, we're going to continue to do it. They're not going to stop. And it's because the conversations we have out in the community um, with folks on their front doorsteps, on, in their living rooms, on the sidewalk, just about what they expect of their police department. And we get so much value out of that. And that kind of has been steering our strategic planning process. Uh, what are the priorities of this community? What are the priorities of the folks who live in this community? And that's what we've been doing.
0: When, when we were at, I was personally at that town hall um, at the church across from Dairy Market, and what I heard from so many folks in the community, and it was regardless of neighborhood, it was regardless of black, white, Puerto Rican, Haitian, it was regardless of income level, mm-hmm. is we want the police in our neighborhood. Yes. We want the folks here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, It goes against a narrative that a small group is trying to weave on Twitter. Um, I think what I took from that town hall is folks want to
1: see you; they just want to be treated fairly. Yeah, they want the communities, uh, the communities that are disproportionately affected by violent crime, Uh want something done about it. They realize the police aren't the solution. But they also realize those solutions, the mental health systems, education systems, substance abuse recovery systems, have all failed those communities, right? And now what do you have? You have that stopgap. I often uh, use the analogy of a goalie on a soccer field, right? If the ball gets to the goalie, several people on that field have failed, right? Well, you don't pull the goalie out while you're trying to fix all that, right? So we're that goalie right now. And so it's really about being in the communities, embracing those communities, and policing them in a procedurally just way. And what does that mean? It means it's not a zero tolerance every time you're sitting outside with a beer. and all, It ain't about that. Yeah. It's about getting to know folks in the community, getting to know their first names. You know, that that in and of itself is a big deal, right? So um, the other thing I got out of these walk talks, I listened to one of your shows not too long ago. You guys were asking where those bullets go when people shoot because that's yeah. a huge problem, right? We're still averaging, you know... About a shots, fire, call for service a day. Wow. Not hitting anybody, but where do those bullets go? I'm going to tell you where they go. You go out and walk up on prospect and talk to those folks who live up there or folks who live in these communities, and they tell you stories, and they show you bullet holes in their homes with plugged with tissue paper so the breeze don't come in, or tell you stories about not allowing their grandkids to play in the living room because they have to play in another room because, you know, bullets can come through those homes. That's where those bullets go. So they have a real-life impact on these communities, whether they hit somebody or not. So we get a lot out of those walk-and-talks, and, and you see them stories firsthand.
0: Um, talk to us about the, um, the gun buyback. Um, yeah. Super excited about this. Another opportunity for um, face-to-face. It seems like, it seems like and, and this is just a layman's perspective, the buyback is an opportunity for community engagement. Mm-hmm. So many folks got caught up on the, the X's and O's, and not right. seeing the big picture, it's just a chance to talk to people. It's just one more piece,
1: right? It's all it is, Jerry. It, yes, I've gotten a lot of those questions. You know, where's the data behind this? Because I'm big on, you know, we need data-driven approaches to crime, right? But data without context is dangerous as well. Sure. Right. So, um, so yeah. So a gun buyback program, you know, there. And I'll, I'll admit, there is no data out there that says they reduce violent crime. Uh-huh. Okay. But what I can tell you that I'm, that I'm confident that it does, it's more opportunities to engage with the community. It's more opportunities when people are bringing their guns that they may not want so they don't fall into the hands of other people to say, hey, if you have other guns at home, here's some gun locks. You know, lock them up so they don't, you know, kids don't get them or get a safe or having those in conversation. So, again, it's one small piece to an overall strategy of trying to reduce gun violence and violent crime in general.
0: Olivia Branch, who watches this program all the time, put this first on my radar. She said Chief Kachas moved into the 10th and Page neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I first heard it from her. And when I heard that, I was like, this guy is living in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for a fact the previous chief not in the city. Sounds like both of them, the last two were not in the city. And I'm not trying to throw shade by any means. But you are walking the walk and talking the talk, living in city limits. Multi-part question. Did you know of the history of 10th and Page? No. Second part of the question is, um, what's been your response to living in 10th and Page? And then the third part of that is, how do we take um, this neighborhood that is certainly under the microscope, which I think is fair to say, to a level of quality of life and safety that we all want?
1: So I would argue, I'll start with the last question. I would argue it is a safe community. Okay. It's a wonderful community. Okay. And uh, so I didn't know what 10th and Page was. I think like anyone that's getting a job in the city of Charlottesville, you're going to look in the city of Charlottesville. You go on Zillow and all those things, and you're trying to figure out where am I going to live, rent, buy what it, and it's like it hits you in the face. I'm come from Northern Virginia, so I'm thinking like, man, it's going to be great, you know? cheap to live, price. Oh heck, no, right? No, it's it's expensive to live in the city, and there's not a lot of not a lot of inventory, rental or otherwise. So. Uh, my wife actually found the house. She's like, "Oh my god, I love this house! We're going. Let's let's go down." And I mean, Prince William's not far from here. But so we took a ride down and fell in love with it. And we we're like, "Yeah, absolutely." So we put a contract on it, and here we are. So love the community. It goes to your next question. Um, living in so this is the first time in my 25 years of policing I've actually lived in the community that I've worked. Wow. All right. And so and you don't see that often in policing for many many reasons. Uh huh. But uh, the organic conversations I have with my neighbors, the homicide that happened um, over on Hardy Drive, you know, I remember coming home that night and my neighbors were outside and they're like, chief, like you could see the, like they want something done, right? Like the conversations I have with my neighbors about just uh, the, the violence that we're seeing there's shots, fire calls, I mean, it, it hits home. They have kids. There are folks that live in that community their entire life. Many of them own those homes, and now probably won't be can't afford the taxes that they're paying on those homes, right? So um, it's yeah, it's a great community. I love the Tenth Page community, and I think it gets a bad rap because it, it's a safe community.
0: Um, Chief Reeves, your counterpart yeah. in Alamo County, made a comment um, on the record in the media about. Working with the Charlottesville Police Department and the University Police Department. And he made the comment, which really resonated with me, this is the first time in a long time that the University Police Department, your department, and the Almore County Police Department are communicating yeah. and, and sharing stats and data. And, and it was important, especially with um, some of the crime that's happened on the corner.
1: Right. Um,
0: yeah. And we also had... Um, an incident that crossed from city to county lines. Um, give us some insight into that communication and how you guys are working alongside each other, and perhaps why that was not happening in the past.
1: What? You'll notice I try not to focus on what uh, what uh, my predecessors did okay. or didn't do because you know, who am I to judge them? Sure, right? It's and fair. so, uh, so there's that. But I will say, I, I give. Tim Longo a lot of credit because before I even started the job here, he reached out to me. He you know it was announced that I got the job and he reached out and said, "Hey, listen, we're having this kind of stuff going on. We need to kind of get together." It's like absolutely. What, you mean where I come from that in Northern Virginia, chiefs I mean are very tight. It's a tight knit group. So I'm like, y'all aren't commu- like that's not happening. And so we talked about doing a regional compstat meeting, which is basically. Uh, monthly we sit down, I mean everybody, not just us three chiefs, there's the Commonwealth Attorney's Offices, the FBI, U.S. Attorney's Offices, and we're looking at data, we're looking at all kinds of information, we have juvenile justice services there, getting, taking everything in so we can develop data-driven strategies to address these very complex issues that don't respect boundaries. They don't respect boundaries, right? So I think our, our community expects us to be communicating and working together. I mean, they, they should expect us to do that. This stuff about, you know, this is happening in the city, it ain't your business, it ain't my Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Things are too complex. A lot of comments coming in. Jonas Smith on
0: LinkedIn says, thank you, Chief Katchas. John Blair from Stanton says, thank you, Chief Katchas. BJ berglin says much respect for Chief Cotches in the Charlottesville Police Department. I mean, it's Carly Wagner has given you props on the goalie analogy. Kevin Higgins in Almaral County has got a question that we're going to get to in a matter of moments. Mm-hmm. The feed is blowing up here. We thought it would with Chief Cotches the George Clooney of Policing in the house right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw. <laughs> I'm never going to hear th-
1: the end of that. <laughs> I, wanna, I mean, it's, it's
0: very much a compliment. Uh, I'll throw this to you here. Um, how have you seen your strategies and your procedures and your protocols be successful so far, mm-hmm. maybe an example, um, and then what is left um, to accomplish or where do we still need to go?
1: So w- let's talk about strategies to address crime, right, first of all. And uh, six, month is, six months is a little too early? We really need to be talking about that in a year. we Start looking at data, right? Uh We are seeing some successes. Okay. But really, you know, you'll see a month of our shots, fire calls go way down. Then the next month they tick back up again. And so you really, if you're going to look at data, you you really need to look at about a 12-month approach. But let's talk about the other things, right? Like internally. So staffing. At the end of the day, we can't do anything with people without people, right? Um, Hotspots. When you look at those hotspots on a map, all those dots are represent real people, people that are affected by violent crime, people are affected by... And therefore, the folks going into those communities to address these issues are real people within our agency, right? So we're in the people business. And so when we recognize that and we start focusing on treating the folks within our organization in a way with dignity and respect, with process, explaining them with the, the why, holding them accountable, giving them a voice... That will then translate to the community, right? So when we talk about procedural justice in the community, we can't expect our officers to treat the community in a procedurally just way if we're not treating them the same internally. I can't be calling my officers names, okay? I can't, you know, personnel matters, right? Personnel matters don't get discussed outside of the organization or with the PCOB. They get discussed, right? Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, I don't have to go and talk about you know, someone that I terminated or demoted or anything, both of which I've done in my six months here. But see, folks don't have to know all of that um, to that level of detail. They just need to know and trust that we are being accountable. And that brings me to trust in the community, right? The, the Police Citizen Oversight Board. They've been great. They really have. What a great group of folks who care about this community and care about good policing. The new executive director, Inez Gonzalez, she has full access to our police department, internal affairs. She walked body cam footage. She could come in and view anything at any time. And um, I think it's been, it's been great. And so doing that has allowed us to create an environment where people want to come work here. And so we just put our largest and most diverse class in the police academy uh, last Wednesday. Nice. Fourteen officers. It's awesome, and it's the first majority minority class we've ever put in. Wow! And now we're getting folks from other organizations, other police departments, looking to come here as well. So, how do you measure that? I I mean, it's a constant measure, right? And there's lots of things you can measure. It's just not about the crime data, but that's that's an important piece.
0: How do we? um, And I think the narrative is changing, and. You are leading this charge along with your team of changing the narrative. I think we, with our reach and influence, are very much helping with that as well. Mm-hmm. How do we drive interest into the vacancies so you have a full department? We've talked with some of your I mean, heavy hitters in the department. Mm-hmm. That said we've had basically a third of the department empty for an extended period of time a very small percentage of the department can afford to live in the city, and we're competing with jurisdictions around Central Virginia that have essentially equivalent pay, that are potentially offering more perks, and the cost of living is less than Charlottesville City, and there's no commute. So all these elements are working against hiring. How do we change the headwinds and make them tailwinds to drive bodies and get 100% occupancy with every seat in your department?
1: So the former, my, my former, I was a, I was the uh, president of the union when I was in Alexandria. So uh, I never thought I'd ever say this, but money's not everything. Okay, it really isn't. Uh-huh. Environment matters. Words matter. Words of your elected leaders matter, right? And I think what we're seeing in the city of Charlottesville right now is a governing body that's trying to govern, right? We've ramped down the temperature. We're focusing on the business of the city of Charlottesville. Um, everything from council to to our department heads. And people are seeing that, right? So that's a recruiting tool. You need stability. Nobody wants to go work in a place where they have to worry about being fired or their career being ruined for something, for a mistake. Sure. And you know, there's different types of mistakes. There's a mistake at a mind, a mistake at a heart, right? And Love as a that. chief you have to you you have to know which is which and what needs to be done to address either. Some some things are pretty serious discipline, some things most things training. Most things, people need to be trained, and, and things need to be addressed. And, and So I think it's an overall environment. It's not a one thing, you know, but uh, we're doing things. We're, we're looking at bon- uh, upping our bonuses for certified officers. They bring value because they come to the department, and they can hit the street right away, right after field training, as opposed to an academy recruit where it's, we're talking 10, 12 months. Wow, it's you know? that long? Oh, yeah, so you get the police academy's five months. Field training's another three to four months so yeah you're talking some time Uh, but we're doing it we are Um, collective bargaining is up and running Mm -hmm. the union goes to the table here in the next few weeks and so I think there's a real opportunity for them to work on the pay and benefits and I know and council's been very supportive of trying to get us to where we need to be I, I believe I personally believe this is probably one of one of if not the best organization police law enforcement organizations that I've ever worked with wow and we just we need to show that We need to prove it, right? And we need to continue to hold ourselves accountable and do it in a way that's respectful.
0: How did you consider the brand image that was Charlottesville before taking the job? I'm sure that you, I mean, because you're the sharpest knife in the drawer here. You, I'm sure, followed or caught wind of perhaps dysfunction, that's my word, that was local government, previous councils. Um, That was very well documented, not only locally, but regionally and nationally in the news. Um, I would bet you chatted with folks that had some intel or knowledge about Charlottesville, and I would bet some of those folks said, do not take this job. (laughs) Uh, So all that to you, Chief Katches, the brand that was Charlottesville before you took the job, when you were interviewing, and what some of your trusted advisors passed along to you about the behind the scenes of Charlottesville.
1: So... For, I went to grad school at UVA, uh-huh. so I'm familiar with Charlottesville. But uh, And I, I mean, I only lived up the road in western Prince William County, so it wasn't far. Uh-huh. Um, so I knew what was going on. But in the police industry, or at least within chiefs, within the Commonwealth, I mean, we were watching what was going on in Charlottesville, uh-huh. right? And so um, the council meetings and all that, and so I'm not going to try to define what former policy may... I'll let you do that. Sure. But... Um, I knew what I was getting into. When you go through a chief's process, a lot just like like a manager's process or other um, uh, executive level processes, they're they're held very secret for a while. So the chiefs one, um, it was not a lot of people knew that I was in the running for it. And then there was the um, panel that was pub- the public uh, PCOB did the panel that sure. One evening. Sure. Yeah. And I remember once it started airing it. I guess releases started getting out, my phone started like blowing up and I was getting texts from other chiefs like, are you nuts? <laughs> you know? You and, um, but I had to tell you what a great decision it was because yes, this community has been through a lot. You cannot come into this community and be a chief of police if you don't understand the impact twenty seventeen July and August had on this community, mm-hmm. it fractured this community, mm-hmm. right? You cannot come a police. You, you got to understand the history of this, whether it be the history of Vinegar Hill and and the gentrification and how it's pushed folks out of communities and and why. When uh, I stand in front of the, the group at the church, mm-hmm. why it's so passionate? Why is there so much passion, right? You got you got to understand that. So. Um, so, yeah, I knew what I was getting into, um, and then when I got here, uh, it, it, I, I, no doubt I made the right decision because I, I couldn't be happier. And with the organization, you heard, yeah, you'd hear things about the Charlottesville Police Department, and I'm just going to be frank with you, Jerry, a lot of what I heard publicly uh-huh. just wasn't true. Really? It just wasn't true. Okay. We don't have a police department full of racists. We can talk about the implicit biases that all of us have. Police officers, everyone here at this table, sure. Without calling them a bunch of racists, we all have implicit biases. And police officers, the difference is when police officers start acting on implicit biases, that's a really bad day. Sure. So that's why training is important. We're going through it right now, as we speak this week. My entire agency is going through procedural justice training, and they hit on implicit bias as well. And so, but man, what it's it's a great organization with good people. And so. Uh, just a lot of, a lot of the, the narrative that I was hearing just wasn't just, – I do not find it to be accurate.
0: How does the um, department manage um, – well you, you, you utilized the phrase hotspots yep. earlier mm-hmm. in the uh, interview. How do we manage or the department manage you know, crime that's happening in areas that historically have crime versus crime that happens, say, on the downtown mall? Right. And we had two very visible scenarios – The Omni Hotel, um, which we dubbed here the OK Corral. um, I heard. That
1: was before I got here. Before you got here.
0: um, Literally youth, like early teens, preteens, young teens, shooting up in the shadows of a $400 a night hotel. Yep. And then the murder outside, and I don't use the name of the restaurant because I don't think it's fair, outside a restaurant in the mall versus, say, crime that historically has happened on Prospect, for example. How do you
1: manage that? Well, first of all, you have, to treat, you have to treat all of that the same. Okay. And what I mean by that is whether somebody is murdered on a downtown mall or someone is murdered in 10th and Page community, uh-huh. they, they both have families These are real lives that are affected. Sure. Right? And then you have to look at, okay, how is that affecting the community around? Now, unfortunately, and, and I actually, I don't know if it's an accurate statement to say that communities can get numb to it, because I don't think they do, you know. The perfect example, like I said, the, the murder that was on Hardy Drive when I came home, The community was shook. This was this the pickup truck. This one? was the pickup truck by the crossing guard. Yep. Okay. Correct. Yep. So, so how do I? How do you manage? You you treat them both. You treat them both the same. Okay. You investigate them vigorously. And when I tell you, and I and I, I talk about my detectives also, you know, we got to remember we've had five homicides. Uh huh. Okay. Since January, every one of them had been solved. Right. In short order. Absolutely. Okay. When I tell you, when I walk into the office and one of these happen, I see a detective like sleeping in his chair at his desk, trying to solve a case of a person that he's never met. Like, so that's why I get pretty passionate about when I hear folks talk bad personally about officers, uh-huh. right? Instead of, you know, bigger issues, right? The, the bigger issue. But anyway, um, the crime on the mall is a real, is a real thing. You know, I get, I get lots of emails and lots of questions about what's going on down here. And again, there are a lot of systems that just don't have the capacity to address the issues that are going on in downtown mall.
0: So, so if I can unpack that, does that mean um, a lot? We don't Let's have... talk about mental health. Okay, that's where I was going to go. We don't have full personnel, perhaps. Also, mm-hmm. we have a mental health and... You know, I'll, I'll be straightforward here. My wife and I, my wife and her girlfriends often we're going to the downtown mall 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night for cocktails at Zocalo on a girl's night because she needs a little breather from me. I'm pretty I can intense. See that. I'm pretty intense. <laughs> and our <laughs> oldest son is just like me. He's very intense. And we have an 8-month-old baby. Okay? So if she wants to get out yeah. and, 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 and just get some alone time or some time with her girlfriends, they're hesitant now, Chief Koch, to go downtown and one of the comments they make is, say, aggressive panhandling and or homelessness and a concern of not potentially seeing a
1: police presence on
0: the mall after hours.
1: Right. That to you. So there's a few things unpacked with that. Sure. Right. So if you look at the, the issues we're seeing on the downtown mall, let's talk about mental health. Uh-huh. Right. So the mental health system in Virginia is in complete crisis, yeah. has been for several years. Right. Uh, they're trying to do some things funding-wise, but I mean, they're really trying to play catch-up, and there's just not the capacity there. I'll give you an example. We have a panel right now talking about trying to put together a, um, a co-response model, right, with a clinician, a police officer kind of riding together. Um, I have vacant seats in my cruisers because my officers ride one to a car, but like they, they don't have people to put there, right? So they have a capacity issue just like many other services, and so you see that in, down here on the mall. That coupled with the city has no overnight shelter, all right? So uh, I was just talking to Arlington County's police chief just yesterday and was talking about just this issue. And they have an overnight shelter. They had the same issue they just built, and it has wraparound services. It's kind of a one-stop shop. Uh-huh. Um, San Francisco kind of started with that model. L.A. took it, and uh, Arlington County, Virginia, is doing it now. And he was telling me the success they've seen. Just tremendous, right? Because you, you can't just give somebody a bed. That ain't going to do it. You need to also have those services there while they're there to help them. Um, that takes money. It takes yeah. resources, you know? You're talking hand,
0: um, hand up, not a hand
1: out. Exactly, yes. So, so what you have here is the only show in town, really, is The Haven. Right. And that's right here on the mall, right? So you're going to see an influx of the unhoused here. Right, because this is where they could come get services, get food, stuff like that. Um, as to the panhandling, that's a whole separate issue. Uh, panhandling is protected speech. Mm-hmm. Okay, now aggressive handhandling, very different. That's uh-huh. not. Uh-huh. But but if the city could, if they wanted to, uh, write an ordinance saying you can't panhandle or solicit for money. But that goes for the Salvation Army person at Christmas out there. That goes for anyone else that wants to come onto the mall and ask for funds. That applies. Any that's ordinance has to. Yes. not thought about that. You can't. You can't just say just because you're unhoused, you can't. You can't. But you can, right? Very good. It doesn't point. work that way. So, so you see all that happening on the downtown mall, and then, um, wet, And then things kind of escalate, uh-huh. right? Um, and that's where we've seen the shootings. So, what
0: is is that a council move that would have to write that policy?
1: The, on what the?
0: Uh, uh, on panhandling on the mall. Well, yeah, any ordinance in the
1: city, council has
0: it to do. It would be council. Council has to do. Okay. It hasn't
1: really, I mean, it, it comes up here and there, uh-huh. but I don't think there's been a concerted effort to, to do that as of yet. Sure.
0: Um, a new city manager, um, and, 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 you know, we're not asking you to speak anything, you know, out of turn or anything, <laughs> This, but the scuttlebutt has a new city manager being announced tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think there's a... Um, special press conference. Special press conference.
0: Yeah. The um, city
1: doesn't just do those. I
0: know, right. <laughs> okay.
1: The city doesn't just do those. Right. So we're
0: seeing a, a potential press conference. we got Lloyd Snook on the show next week to discuss this. I believe the mayor's watching here. Um, so I'll throw you an open-ended question about this. Um, new city manager is technically the chief executive officer of the city. Mm-hmm. You're the CEO of the police department. The city manager would be the CEO of the city, so technically your boss here. He is my boss. Your boss. Correct. He or she would be your boss. That's correct. Um, your thoughts on how this could play out. We know the current one, the interim, Michael Rogers, he is – we broke that news on this show. Um, he is no longer in the mix. Mm-hmm. He has pulled himself out. He wrote a letter to city employees' personal reasons. I was a bit saddened by that because I thought – As was I. Because Michael
1: Rogers done a hell of a job. He's – Probably, you know, I've worked for a few city managers. Uh, by far, the best. Wow, work with. Tell he, us why. Because he doesn't get excited, right? No. And I, I say that because, as in this business, there's a lot that can happen, right? Media, yeah. are or wanting to know this, and sure. This happens, right? And he's steady. He's that steady, and he's it's, it's about business. Right? It's about doing things the right way. He said something to me that'll stick for a long time. He's like, you know, Chief, if the uh, if the process isn't correct, the results may not matter. Right? And so he's a process guy. And I've taken that and you know, I've taken that and kinda of implemented that My like really we focus on process. And so um I've gotten a ton out of him in a short time I've worked with him. And um yeah, I mean, he's he's seen it all. You know, I mean you can't I mean, we, we would have been lucky to have him for a long time.
0: Amen. Amen. Michael Rogers, if you're watching um, post-time or in real time, I'll also give you some props. Maybe the sharpest dressed city manager I've ever seen. Yeah. The guy yeah. is always flossing. Yes. And always flossing. Yes. And he'll judge
1: you if you don't have, like, different pairs of shoes. Like, you got to have more than one pair of shoes as a thing. So, I love it, yes. Michael Rogers. So the new city manager,
0: the expectation is sometime tomorrow we'll know. So, say, 24 hours. Your thoughts on this?
1: So, One thing I've learned in my 25 years of policing, there's only one constant, uh, the one thing that's always constant, that's change, right? And so, you know, even coming up through the ranks, you know, you have a sergeant you like, and then they're going to get moved, and then you become a sergeant. You have a lieutenant you like that's where, you know, there's always movement. It's always going to happen. And so, to me, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to change what we're doing at the police department. You know, I'll meet with whoever the new city manager is. They're going to give me marching orders. What's your vision, sir or ma'am? Um, you know and that will the benefit we're having is we are in the early stages of our focus groups internally for our strategic planning so when we sit down with the new city manager um, I could take his or her vision and implement that into our strategic priorities and, and we'll keep driving along so I'm, I'm not worried one bit
0: um, we'll take questions here and we're very mindful of Chief Cotches' time so please put the questions in the feed we'll relay them live on air this one from uh, Bozeman Montana um, oh, wow. A family a that has a home in Montana that also lives in the city. Um, so they're summering in Montana. Um, and it's about the support you feel from the Commonwealth's Attorney's Office. How supported do you feel by, um, say, Mr. Joe Plantania, who's come on this program? Yeah. Your thoughts on that?
1: Joe's great. I was, I was just with Joe this morning at 10 o'clock at a meeting. Uh-huh. Uh, we talk probably every other day uh, about one thing or another. Uh-huh. Very supportive. He and I's relationship uh, early on was false. We had a mutual friend, uh-huh. so um, so we we got together very early on and have a great relationship. Very supportive, and he's open to uh, he's open to ideas and suggestions, which I think is helpful. Ultimately, he's the elected Commonwealth Attorney. I mean, right? he's got to make those very tough decisions, and he has to make different calculations that we do in law enforcement. There's a reason why. The police do their part, and then the prosecutors do their part, right? There's those different levels within the system for a reason. And so um, it took me several years to understand that as a cop, and uh, but I, I do now. But we have a great relationship, very the, good relationship. This one from Bill McChesney
0: on McIntyre. Um, he says, uh, Chief Kocches, the feedback or the dynamic with former police chief Tim Longo. Can you put that in perspective for us?
1: He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Tim's a good dude. I saw him. Uh, saw him at the gym yesterday morning. He's uh, jacked. Yeah, man. I can His he's energy yelled. level. I'm like, no. Yeah, because he was he was walking in when I was walking out, and I was just like, man, you, you got a suntan and everything. Like you, you know, he's. Uh, yeah, Tim's a great guy. Like, see, he was one of the first people to reach out to me when I got this job, and um, we again, we, me, him, and Colonel Reeves talk all the time, and. Um, and yeah, great relationship.
0: Um, this is a tough question here. Uh, sure. Chief Cotches, is this the uh, the final job?
1: Yes. That, okay, tell us why. Uh, well, because I've already retired once, so I'm not going anywhere else. I love that <laughs> answer. I've already, yeah, this is it. My wife wouldn't let me, no way. No way. Because,
0: no. <laughs> Let's champion your better half. Um, put in perspective your wife, um, married to a police chief. Very few jobs where you leave the house, you put on a bulletproof vest, Mm -hmm. you have a gun on your hip, and
1: you wonder if you come back home safe. Yeah, she's been. You know what? She's been. She's been dealing with it for a long time. Uh huh. So, and you have to have a support system at home, or you can't do this job. Uh I also have two sons. They're older. One's twenty-one. One's eighteen. Getting ready to go to Radford here in a few weeks. Nice. And so, uh, she's been dealing with it a long time. Whether when I was in homicide, the phone calls in the middle of the night to, you know, even now, you know, I get, get calls all the time in the middle of the night, and she's like, take that phone and go down, go in the other bedroom and go to sleep, because it'll keep ringing. Yeah. Um, just, I, I guess she's used to it. You know, she's, she's used to it. Uh-huh. Just, it's, you know, maybe early on in the career, she, she would worry more. But now she, she I, don't, I don't think she, would. I mean, I could be wrong.
0: <laughs> what's, uh, what's the life of a police chief like? I mean, after is there after hours? Is there? Oh, yeah. Are you on the clock twenty
1: four <laughs> seven? you live in a fishbowl. You, you do, as a chief, you live in a fishbowl. Everybody knows who you are, right? And so, um, but that's okay. I mean, you know that. You should know getting into it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 a great. It, it honestly is a great job because you have an opportunity to make a real difference in people's lives, um, the community. Like when you see. The community, or like what? They, they, again, my neighbors who came to me after that shooting on Drive, and they're just like, "What? Like we got? Like you see in their eye Like they, they they're worried, and they're looking to you to come up with some type of solution to a very complex issue, crime. I mean, my God, that doesn't get much more complex than that, right? right. And so, um, you if you're going to be a chief, you need to be up for a challenge. You got to be willing to put into the work. The community expects it. They expect me to be at meetings in the evening, events on the weekends. They they expect it of you, so I, I love it. But you got to have energy. Kelsey
0: asked a great question here. Where's uh, Chief Kachus taking his beautiful wife on date night?
1: <laughs> we have a few favorites in, in town. Um, so we love the local. I love the local. We love the local. Um, we where did we go the other night? Um, oh my goodness! Oh uh huh. Across yeah. the street, absolutely. My wife's a vegetarian, so okay. they have great vegetarian options yeah. there. I'm not a vegetarian, so um, yeah, we. Those are probably two of our favorite spots. What's um, Chief Cotticus's uh, favorite meal? Oh man, I kind of like a. I'm a steak guy, so me rib, too. Ribeye, okay. With just a side of broccoli, not yeah. too much on it. But I'm kind of a steak snob, okay. And I could cook a pretty good one myself. So yeah. if I go somewhere and. They don't, they don't do it right. I, get, I think there's two you know. as
0: a suggestion that you would okay. like. I haven't
1: found. I know there's one right up on Main Street here. you got Black
0: Cow Chop yep. House. Yes,
1: I've heard good things about Daniel it.
0: Daniel Kaufman. I think uh, Mr. Kaufman's watching the program. I can okay. vouch for that steak. And also the Aberdeen Barn, okay. which is in Albemarle County. It's an old-school steakhouse. I'll have to check it out. I think you would absolutely love it. Um, yeah. A couple more questions, yeah. and then we'll, we'll let you go here. How does Chief Kotchis decompress?
1: So uh, I, I do jujitsu. Really? I've trained jujitsu for about twelve years now. Okay. And so I've started going to the one here at the Gracie here. It's, yeah. Um Brent kind of, uh, studio, Brent yeah. Millard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's watching right now. Is he really? Yeah, Brent okay. Millard also. Yeah, an well, I'll tell of you, mine. I haven't I've I've been twice so far since yeah. I've been in town. Yeah. But yeah, so I've trained for about eleven years. And um, so you know, that's to me, that's that hour that I'm on the mat and I'm not connected to my phone. Uh-huh. And it's that you know, I'm not the chief or I'm just another guy on the mat, you know, and it's uh, to me it's it's therapeutic. So that. And then golf. I'm really bad at golf, but I enjoy it. Um, that's it. Last
0: you know. question for you? Yeah. Um, and I hope, 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 hope we can do this again. Absolutely. I, you, you I, I'll say it again, um, have exceeded expectations, stabilized the organization. The best answer I think any viewer and listener has heard this show is, is you're here long term. Yeah, That I'm makes me away. so excited. <laughs> um, final question for you here. The message you want to get out to the community um, about the department, filling the spots that are vacant, yeah. and having the community embrace the department. I mean, I think we have to rally around you guys and champion the police and back the blue. And I think the mindset is in this... Um, almost like
1: this um, purgatory yeah. where it's excited to embrace it. It just yeah. needs a push. It needs a push. Uh, my message is to remember that the police department, our officers, are part of this community as well. A lot of them might not live in this community, but they they are part of this community. This police department is part of this community. So my challenge is to, to figure out ways to get involved with us. And we're, we're going to do that. We're still working on that. Um, you know, after the murder of George Floyd, there's one thing that I think we realized as a profession that in simply engaging wasn't good enough anymore, and that we really needed to transition to involving the community in what we do. So, an example is like we're going to be doing a community police academy again. Right, the difference is when you graduate, you agree to volunteer ten hours of your time with the police department that year. Right, and whether it be at the uh, Tom Tom Festival, we have a table and we have some volunteers with us there. And again, different ways. We just had again the assistant chiefs. We're doing an assistant chiefs uh, process now. We're doing a nationwide search, and I had the chiefs, other chiefs in, and I had a stakeholder panel, and I involved community members uh, that crossing guard was uh, a longtime resident, was on the hiring panel yesterday. And so involving the community in what we do, I think, is important because, again, that builds relationships. And ultimately, you need relationships to build trust. I think it's one of the best interviews we have ever done.
0: Um, Mike Kotchis guys, um, the right man for the job. And I'm so pumped to see him fill the department. I'm so pumped to see this community rally around the Charlottesville Police Department. I'm so pumped for us to get some of the best of the best protecting our streets. I'm so pumped for this narrative to change. And I'm so pumped for this brand and this image that is CPD to essentially evolve into a brand of our neighbors, our brand of, of community members, a brand of people that you can walk up to and say, hello, and say, what's going on with your life? and and and. How can we find common ground uh, together? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's where we need to be. I'm so grateful for your time.
1: Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. It's been fun.
0: Absolutely. For those that are asking, the entire show archived anywhere you get your social media and on iloveseville.com. Mayor Lloyd Snook is on a week from Thursday. Peter Krebs from the Piedmont Environmental Council on Thursday of this week. Tomorrow it's going to be Judah and I, and we've had some pretty great shows of late, so we'll dot the I's and cross the T's on, on those. This is the I Love Seville show. We're just trying to be the water cooler of the community, of the community guys. For Judah Wickower and for Chief Michael Kacchus, my name is Jerry Miller. Thank you for joining us. All right. And people tell us when the mics are off.